Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the, what is this, week 12? I don't know. Thanksgiving has thrown me off. We are on to the main slate. Everybody is uh, food in a food coma from all their turkey and stuffing and, and all of that from Thanksgiving. But the main slate still exists. And here we are with the Underworld Stack Fest brought to you by Player Profiler here on Rotogrinders.com. I am your host, Eric Bimefor, joined today by Dario Ofstein. We'll see if Matt uh, will join us with, with his 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 presence. I, he's probably still he's in a full sweat from the U.S. Uh, draw. U.S. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know U.S. U.S. men's team put up a uh, a, a fight with England, but um, Dario, we're here. How was your Thanksgiving? Was good. You know, got to see a lot of family members you don't see very often, and just you know, enjoy a lot of good food. You know, and then just completely veg out on the couch watching the <laughs> the night game with the Vikings and the Patriots that turned out to be a pretty good game. Isn't it nice that, that so I thought stupidly because I'm clearly not very good at predicting these NFL games, was like, I was, the early game I was so excited for. I was locked in for Bills-Lions. I thought it was going to be the game of the day, and it was good, right? Obviously, you get a three-point game down to the wire. That was fun. Um, Up and down from the Bills, for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. The second half was not awesome from the Bills. And then the Cowboys, I I thought, we were talking before the show, I I thought, as a clearly, as a big uh, Cowboys minus nine and a half better, that the Cowboys were just going to curb stomp the Mm -hmm. Giants. That did not come to uh, fruition. They they pulled away a little bit at the end. But that game was actually more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And the night game, which I thought was going to be a total snooze fest, was awesome. Mm -hmm. The the Vikings looked great. The, The Patriots were definitely punching back. It was a lot better football on Thanksgiving than I really thought it was going to be. So that 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 was a lot of fun. Hopefully, this main slate can can live up to it. And I do mm-hmm. think this main slate, segueing into that, is super fascinating. We have a lot of injuries. We don't have maybe the games. This this for anyone that has not watched this show is a little mm-hmm. bit more focused around the game stack. You know, we're not going to go position by position. We're going to try to target the games that you want to be really heavily honed in on for the main slate. But I do think there's a lot of fun variables, mostly due to injury, that set us up for this where you can, if you have a game you want to stack, it's not a situation where, like, you have to make it fit around X running back or you have to make it fit around X, you know, tight end or whatever. You have the value this week to make almost any game work. So that does make things fun for this type of show that we're doing. 
Yeah, I mean, just to quickly hit that, I mean, the Leonard Fournette officially doubtful as of maybe two hours ago. And then Raheem Mostert also looking unlikely to play. So Jeff Wilson and Rashawn White are looking like those clear value smashes this week. But yeah, I think that with with this show, we'll definitely talk through the offenses and the games that we're most excited about. Yeah, I started to build out some teams and I felt super confident in basically the running backs and even yeah. honestly the tight ends where it was like kind of how I start to structure my teams after we have this show where I'm like, okay, I, I, how do I, how do I, you know, it's a puzzle piece. How do I fit in the, the good running back plays that may, may or may not be in the games that we're talking about. Sometimes they are, sometimes mm-hmm. they're not. How do I fit them in amongst the games I want to target from the conversations that we have here? And this week was very, it felt like early season where it was like, whatever game I want to stack, I can do it. Cause like you said, mm-hmm. there's Rashad White. There's, I, I really like, uh, maybe I'll even pick your brain a little bit on like, I really like Michael Carter against mm-hmm. against the bears even on the other side i don't like him but there's still david montgomery without clear right. herbert the running backs are there for us to plug and play and mix and match in our lineups with these games that we want to target which makes the week kind of kind of crazy but also like the whole now crux of the week is what game do you stack right sometimes right. it is what running back am I playing? Am I playing the Kenyon Drake thing <laughs> for anyone that played last week? You know, Gus Edwards is out, whatever. I played Kenyon Drake. I'm an idiot. I'll hold my L. You know, it is what it is. But like I played David Montgomery and Kenyon Drake. I was like, I'm doing that. And then I'm going to stack the games that I want to stack. This week is like totally wide open. And it all centers around that game stack because, like you said, we're going to get Rashad White, right? We're going to get Jeff Wilson. We're going to get Michael Carter. We're going to get all these running backs available to us. So then because there are so many good running back plays, the how you win the slate is you nail that game. You nail that one game that goes off. Yeah. yeah it's funny. Every week, it seems like you look at the top of your contest and the guy who won just had some totally uncorrelated, like ridiculous thing. Or you're like, how do they even get to that it just makes it all the more infuriating with uh, trying to find these plays that that make sense logically but yeah i also think there's a lot of deep receiver value on this slate frankly like there's just so many i was looking at this for my monday show where i talk about the main slate and it just seems like terry mclaurin alan robinson josh Mm. palmer hollywood brown is i think 5300 on DraftKings because of the injury like Garrett wilson dpj still demarcus robinson led the ravens in targets last week he's 4300 like it just doesn't stop and sky Moore, stone cold minimum coming off yeah what the hell are we doing what are we doing DraftKings? like uh (laughs) kadarius tony is out i know juju's back so that throws a wrench into things but clearly sky earned something and we're mm-hmm. going to make him st- stone men. It does make uh we'll get to the Chiefs. We'll get to the Chiefs. But the the you mentioned the game I think we want to lead off with being the Chargers and the Cardinals. And the wide receiver value I'm going to start there in this game because clearly maybe the most exciting game from an offensive firepower mm-hmm. perspective and 
lack of defense, right? The Cardinals defense is not good. The Chargers defense is not particularly good. We have Rondale Moore, which I don't know if he's been, been officially ruled out, but my I, I assume that he's out. It sounded like he's out for more than even just a week. I don't know if you have anything on that, but Hollywood Brown is going to be back. And then we have, as you mentioned, Hollywood is <laughs> extremely cheap on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Greg Dortch is also almost the minimum on on DraftKings. I think he's 3,100. And then you have DeAndre Hopkins. You even have... Um, a little bit disappointed with the Trey McBride performance last week, but maybe Kyler coming back helps mm-hmm. helps Trey McBride. You just have so much value on the Cardinal side, and then on the the Chargers side, Mike Williams looks doubtful, if not out. I think he did get ruled out in the last okay. thirty minutes or so. Yeah, by the we're for anyone watching, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon, so the news is rolling in. Well, basically while we're doing this, but Mike Williams appears to be out. You have Gerald Everett that's back. But then, you know, Josh Palmer popped up with mm-hmm. the best game of his career last week. Uh, only a two-year career, but still. <laughs> the, it, it, so we have, you start it, it mm-hmm. where I'm not trying to ignore DeAndre Hopkins, but if you start at Josh Palmer and work your way down, Josh Palmer, 5,400, Hollywood Brown, 5,300, who Cliff did say today that he expects him to play on Sunday. Greg Dortch is totally free. Even, I mean, Keenan Allen is like 6K on mm-hmm. on DraftKings. This whole game is super affordable, and yet it's like the highest projected scoring game of the week. What's your kind of first take on how you want to uh, attack this one? Yeah, I think, well, it's interesting that you mentioned Greg Dortch because he's, I think Cliff said he's a game-time decision, which we know that Cliff is pretty unreliable when it comes to <laughs> telling us the actual injury yes. status of his players. But I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Dorch doesn't play. I mean, it sounds like I think he okay. didn't practice a couple of times this week, if I remember correctly. Looks right. like Rondale Moore is officially already ruled out. So we probably won't be seeing him for multiple weeks. And yeah, I think that even with Marquise Brown, there's some, I think that Cliff Kingsbury might've said that he's going to be somewhat on a pitch count. If I read that correctly too. So it just all the stars align for, you know, 200 DeAndre Hopkins targets. And I think too, we have to keep in mind that Kyler Murray is coming off of a hamstring injury. It seems like this happens every year where Kyler is really good for fantasy and much more mobile until his first injury of the season. And then he (laughs) returns from it and isn't quite as, uh, you know, just as anxious to, to get going with the legs. So I think that we might, like I'm certainly projecting him for slightly less carries and just less rushing efficiency than we've seen from him, you know, regularly. And I think that that just opens up the passing game for everyone involved. That, that That's what I was going to ask is Kyler as a DFS play in and of himself, we want the rushing, but for, it doesn't mean we have to play Kyler if he's going to run less against the chargers I'll click over to, uh, we'll just do click over to the flex plays. Um, let me zoom out a little bit. So this is a little cleaner. It, the, like all of these guys are the, the most expensive skill position players, of course, Austin Eckler in mm-hmm. this game. And then DeAndre Hopkins at 7,700. I have this on DraftKings. There's not a Chargers wide receiver above 6,100. And if we ignore DeAndre Hopkins, I'm not trying to ignore him. But if we do just for a second, Hollywood is 5,300. And then you got to scroll 
all the way on down here to, you know, we're not playing AJ Green, but 3,400. Mm-hmm. All the skill players in this game are crazy affordable. So, like, does that mean we use that value to get Nuke? And do we play one of the quarterbacks? I, I, I love this game. I love the value on all of these players. I'm, as I start to, uh, A, I'm on a turkey hangover. I just started building Sunday main slate teams today, so don't hold me to this. But I do still struggle to figure out how to stack this game. You know what I mean? Like, because I have the same Kyler concerns as you do. Justin Herbert is 7K, and, like, it's fine. But, like, he's not, you know, he's not Lamar. He's not Mahomes. Um, right. He's frankly not even Kyler from a, uh, if we ignore the rushing concerns, how, what's your kind of like first instinct go to on how do we like stack this game up? I think, you know, even with those concerns about Herbert, I think that the value presented in this game altogether makes him probably my slightly preferred quarterback between these two. Okay. The Cardinals defense is allowing, looks like the fourth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So that's, a pretty good matchup in and of itself for Herbert. We know that we can play him with Palmer and Allen very affordably, which are going to be his top two weapons. We've, you know, we've been touting Gerald Everett for most of the season. We like <laughs> him, even though he's, he's kind of gone cold of late, but I still think he's, you know, very decent stacking option. And I think the Cardinals are pretty weak when it comes to defending tight ends. So I think just overall looking at this game, the chargers are, are still the favorite so a couple more points going their way and i think that herbert he's looked healthier every week too like i think that rib injury from week two it was true has just been still kind of lingering and i think he's becoming kind of increasingly comfortable and he i mean he was unleashed against the chiefs last week it finally looked like the justin herbert we know and love so i think that he's kind of still my lean between the two quarterbacks in this game I like that. I, I also like a if uh, if I close this out, you see that we do have. I mean, they're they're separated by basically nothing. They're the same price, and we do have Herbert projected for more. But my expectation is that Herbert is never a guy in tournaments that people really play because mm-hmm. he's always priced close to the elite tier, and yet he doesn't really run that much. They're like a. a try- you got to help me out with the Chargers. They're they're like the most frustrating offense ever. You know, they have talent. Mm-hmm. They have a superstar young quarterback, but they just never seem to like truly explode right. on I mean, offense. And, and oh, now Mike Williams that, is out. There was that one drive. I think it was one of their first possessions against the Chiefs on Sunday night of last week where they just went down the field with three bombs. And I think ever I was just like, oh, my God, like this is the Chargers offense. We all thought <laughs> right. we would see this year. But yeah, I think that he's definitely been handicapped by the injuries to Williams and Keenan Allen. Like you just have when you have to throw to Austin Eckler 12 times a game, those are not going to be deep targets. So I think there's some decent reason for optimism with him being able to just like get the ball downfield further. Obviously, we'd for his status, we'd like for Mike Williams to be healthy too. But I think we're gonna have to wait another couple of weeks to get that. But I think that like you said, Justin Herbert, probably not going to draw a ton of ownership. So I'm still kind of into him this week. Definitely. What is your go-to? Let me click over. I'll just do the flex and uh, kind of ignore. We can ignore Eckler. We don't have to ignore Eckler. 
But what is your go-to way to stack up Justin Herbert in this game? Is it, you know, <clears throat> as a DFS player, anybody anybody watching this has been playing DFS for a long time, we have this sick mental block on Josh Palmer goes nuts last week, right? And you're like, well, he can't do it again. Yeah. So I can't like, and then I'm going to pay an elevated price for Josh Palmer after the hundred yard, two touchdown game. I can't do it again, but Mike Williams is out. Keenan Allen's probably, you know, he's going to be Keenan Allen, but he's not gonna like last week. He was on a pitch count. They probably went past the pitch count because Mm -hmm. Mike Williams got hurt. He's probably not going to play like, you know, he's not going to play hundred percent snaps, of course, but he's, maybe going to be a smidge limited and they just mm-hmm. really don't have anybody else. I want to play Justin Herbert, Josh Palmer. If we throw out last week in this stupid bias that I have, but yeah. like, is that kind of your de facto, is that kind of your de facto go-to or is it Keenan Everett? What, what do you think about the chargers like skill guys? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the obvious and clear one is definitely just double stacking him with Keenan and Josh Palmer. They're both, fairly affordable like sometimes you just have to really fight the instinct to get too cute with with these things right and then i think too it's still kind of early i haven't seen projected ownership come through yet for on our end for roto grinders at least so i don't know if that's not Not so yeah we'll 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 know in the coming days or hours probably yeah the what the what it's looking like the ownership projections will come in as but I think with all the chalk on the slate, people might be inclined to pay up for, you know, you use the running back chalk to get your two a double stack that we're dreaming about every week in and week out. And that's just going to lead people away from these Herbert stacks. So I think maybe the way you kind of get creative on top of Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer is like make it a triple stack, right? With, with Gerald Everett, or I think that James Connor as the run back is very interesting we know that the chargers run defense is like one of the weakest in the nfl so that's kind of the way i'm looking at it is like allen and palmer are really the value plays that make justin herbert i think your most viable stacking quarterback in this game and maybe on this slate altogether probably not but (laughs) then um (laughs) but yeah so i think that 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 would be the way i'm thinking about it i like the Connor thing because I, I went to running back when you said that uh, for anyone watching and you look at the screen and Connor is actually our fourth highest point per dollar even though he's 6600 on DraftKings he's our fourth highest point now I don't think this has been fully adjusted for you know like Rashad White if if Lenny is officially out which we're, we're you and I are treating him as out those yeah, kinds I think of I don't, will I don't think this. anyone's played through a doubtful tag all season. So yeah, I, and uh, Leonard Fournette's not the first guy I would expect to. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, my wife is getting home now, and the dogs are are, are howling. But uh, James Conner will still be at worst a top what eight, top six mm-hmm. running back or something like that. And he's a uh, oh my god, do you hear this? Yeah, <laughs> this is this is this is this is they. Uh, I, I don't know if this is a good sign or a bad sign for for James Conner, but talk a little <laughs> bit while I mute for these psychopaths. Talk a little bit about the James Conner spot and like the usage and all that kind of stuff, because he's going to be like crazy low owned given what he's done. 
And if he's going to play every snap against the Chargers, that's pretty appealing. I mean, honestly, I'd be surprised to see him crazy low owned because, I mean, ever since they cut Eno Benjamin, he's been seeing a massive workload. We already know that he's their goal line back. He's had three touchdowns in two games since he came back. Or I guess, sorry, it looks like he came back in week nine, but it's been three touchdowns in those three games. And then, like, he gets very well used in the receiving game. He's got a 10% target share when he plays. So I think that there's a lot looking good for James Conner. And the, the Chargers, they're just not good against opposing running backs. So I think that if he's going to be even remotely low-owned, I think that makes him a pretty good play this week. Is he your preferred bring back? Or, you know, so I do think the Chargers side, Herbert, Keenan, Palmer, Everett is kind of where we want to live. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Maybe this will then be the Eckler, you know, 45-point game. But I do think from a game-stacking perspective, it's interesting. Both of these running backs, as I'm thinking about it, both of these running backs are super fascinating for tournaments because if you think about a game script scenario and you say, what if the Cardinals get a big lead, Mm -hmm. right? These mother effers. Uh (laughs) The Cardinals get a big lead. We know what Eckler does in the passing game, but Connor's like a, a, a Kmart version of that, right? Mm-hmm. Plays all the snaps. We saw last year getting six, seven, eight catches in certain games. Obviously has the goal line work. There's ways you can play this game with these running backs that like you want to get away from some of that running back chalk. I'm not saying that's what we need to do, but if you want to, both of these running backs are super super appealing so i'm I'm still like befuddled on everyone in this game is a good play and i'm trying to figure out the best way to mm-hmm. attack it you know what i mean yeah that makes sense i think i would i kind of agree with you that we'll we'll be thinking about this one as sunday morning approaches for sure and luckily i mean greg dorch is the only real game time decision because this is a 1 p.m kickoff and you know, it's not like a game where we're going in with Mike Williams and Greg Dorge are game time decisions and James Connors a game time decision, you know? So I think this, we're lucky to have this one be a little bit clearer from the injury front, at least right off the jump. But yeah, I think that it is kind of a, a tricky one overall still. What do you think about um, the Cardinals wide receivers? If Dorch does not play because Rondale is out, and I did confirm that. Uh, I know you will we'll double double stamp, double mm-hmm. stamp the triple stamp. Uh, Rondale is out. Dorch is a game time decision. Do you think that they don't really have a slot receiver then? Right, Hollywood. Yeah. Do you think Hollywood moves into the slot and AJ Green plays on the outside? How are you like think like just trying to think through what happens mm-hmm. if Dorch is out? I think that's a good point i'm guessing we probably would see hollywood in the slot when he is playing and then aj green on the outside and then i mean what was the point of trading for robbie anderson can like anyone answer that for me because i think that this would be a pretty intriguing spot for him too i know we talked about him a couple weeks ago probably when we were talking about a cardinals game like we do most weeks on this show (laughs) but yeah i think that that's a puzzling one If, if dorch is out and Robbie Anderson still doesn't see the field. I think we can just like 
you know, write off Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury for good. But this is, yeah, I think that that's probably, you're probably correct on saying that like Hollywood falls into the slot and then AJ Green, who's had like a couple of not terrible revival games. He's coming off at nine targets last week, touchdown the week before on only two targets. So he's not totally dead. I think he's, you know, obviously a shadow of his former self that that was absolutely dominant with the Bengals. But I think that he's probably the guy who's going to get the snaps in light of all the injuries. I mean, he he played 75% of snaps last game with Dorch and Rondale getting hurt during the course of the game. Right, so, and if Hollywood is limited at all, I, I, I don't know. It it makes me sick to my stomach to even like bring up AJ Green, but at 3,400, if he's going to play every snap against the Chargers, mm-hmm. I think he's viable. And people will not do, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't believe, right? So Dorch is sexy. Dorch is like, did you just yeah. see what he just did at right, 3,100? Right. It's like that, that, I want to click that guy. AJ Green, no, yeah. absolutely not. I don't want to, I don't want to click that, but he's like the benefactor. Of mm-hmm. of Dorch being out, and so um, I just think this game is like definitely the most fascinating one, but it's also maybe the hardest to pin down. We'll have some other games we'll get into where it's like the next one for sure, where it's like really straightforward. We want to yeah. attack that game, but I know who I want to go to in this one. This would be the game that if you said which game's going to be the highest scoring, it's probably this one on the whole slate, mm-hmm. but yet. There's injury concerns. There's the running backs look good. Multiple wide receivers look good. Herbert is like a fun theoretical play, but he doesn't run. It's like, yeah, I think, but I think all of that will lead to a little bit of ownership discount, Mm -hmm. which is like, that's what we want. You know, if we're going to get the highest scoring game at reasonable ownership, that's what I want to do. It's just, how do we pin down these guys? You know, right. so what let's let's wrap on what what is the like of this game? Who who are the guys like you have uh, the most conviction on? I think for me, it's probably I mean, this is going to be like the, the default easy answer. But I think it's Palmer on the Charger side and Connor on the Cardinal side. OK, I mean, I assuming, think other people would say Hopkins. Yeah, so I, I don't I think, think that that's Hopkins is. I guess, yeah, Hopkins is definitely the, the easiest default for sure. I think he is going to probably see like 40% of the targets from the Cardinals <laughs> in this game. But I think that Connor against the Chargers run defense, like if they are going to be playing kind of handicapped in their receiver room, I wouldn't be surprised to see them just try to run the ball more. And I mean, Isaiah Pacheco had his first 100-yard game against the Chargers last week. We... You know they're just not particularly strong against the run, and we know that that's part of Brandon Staley's defensive philosophy too. So that's kind of, I think, something we can more or less count on to some extent. I like it. Um, one last final to put a bow on it is Hollywood going to play? If you had to, someone put a gun to your head and said, "Is Hollywood going to play enough at fifty three hundred and low ownership?" Because you see here, we have him projected for six points. Right, so we're we're projecting him to be very limited. Mm-hmm. I think, but if I'm what what would you do with this if you said if I said he's going to be one percent owned? What would you do with Hollywood? 
I think you probably run the risk with him a little bit. I'm trying to, I'm pulling up our projections right now. Yeah, I think you, I have him, did you project him closer for? to a full workload. I think definitely still a, very much a 1B to Hopkins, but it looks like I've got him at. I've got him at 10.3 PPR. So probably a few more routes, but nothing crazy. I think still being a little bit cautious. Probably, if I had to guess, it's probably like a 19 or 20% target share mm-hmm. that, I, that I've got him projected at. Because I think, like, I mean, this is, it's week 12, and it'll be the first time we're seeing him and Hopkins both on the field together because of the way the timing went with the suspension and the injury. So we still have yet to see how Kyler's going to, kind of divvy up the targets between the two of them. But I think that Kyler and Hollywood definitely had a very good rapport and Hollywood was hoarding targets when he was healthy early on this season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see something like five, six, seven targets if we're lucky for Hollywood Brown and then maybe somewhere in the 12, 10 to 13 range for Hopkins. See, I, I, I'm a, a sicko and I, I can't help myself with some of these spots, but I just part of me feels like I understand all the, the talk about limited and, and all that, but just <laughs> with how, I mean, they don't have anybody mm-hmm. else, you know, AJ green's not flipping over to the slot. It certainly Robbie's not, uh, they, they just don't really have a lot else. And, and Robbie can't even get on the field. AJ green's dust. It's like, he he just feels to me like this play I would like to at fifty three hundred. It's one thing yeah. if you were like sixty five hundred, where it'd be like, yeah, I can wait a week at sixty five hundred or whatever. I can I can wait at fifty three hundred. Right. You know, in a stack of this game, of course, I don't really think I want to play like a Hollywood one off at fifty three hundred. But man, you play Herbert Herbert Palmer Keenan Hollywood or something like that. You know. That seems mm-hmm. like an awesome way to approach tournaments this week because I just don't think the ownership is going to be there on any of these guys. Right. And, and you can get whatever you want around it. I think it's kind of funny because if you look at Keenan Allen and his performance last week and his situation, it kind of really reflects what Brown's situation is this week, right? Like he's coming back from an injury to Great. a very depleted receiver room. And if you could get, Keenan Allen's stat line from Sunday night for, you know, the 5,300 at Hollywood Brown's price, like five for 94, you probably take it. And I think that especially with the upside of actually ending up with a touchdown, that's a very good game for someone who's probably going to be low owned and, you know, as cheap as he is. So I think that that's actually an interesting parallel that I hadn't thought about until you can't, we were kind of talking about these players in this game. But yeah, I think that, like you said, it's the NFL. Like, if the dude wants to play, like his coaches are probably gonna leave him out there. That, that's kind of my thought. Uh, we're, we're really getting our hand in the dirt, but I, I just, <laughs> I'm just trying to do like, do the you know the the Madden experiment. It's like, okay, well, if Hollywood's not playing, it's who, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, this is of course talking about Dorch being out. If Dorch plays. I don't know that I can do the Hollywood thing because there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of paths to him not playing. But if 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 we get to Sunday and Dorch doesn't play, I don't know, man. I, I feel like they, they just may be like, dude, we wanted to limit you, but 
that yeah. tough shit. You know, you, you, you got to play. And we see if he's getting some of that slot work, we see how valuable that is. Rondale mm-hmm. has been crushing. Dorch just crushed, la- crushed last week. AJ Green and Robbie aren't earning any targets. Trey McBride's not earning any targets. Yeah. It's like I mean, this could definitely be, upside. This could definitely become a you know Waddle and Tyreek situation where Brown and Hopkins are just both yeah, like that. commanding twenty five to thirty percent of targets week in and week out, combining for like sixty percent of Kyler's targets, especially for however long Rondale is still out. So would you? I I said we were going to put a bow on this five minutes ago. <laughs> But it's it's a really interesting game. Would you rather Herbert, Keenan, Palmer, or Kyler? The, again, this is assuming Dorch is out, or 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 you can say Dorch is in, and you want to include Dorch in this. Kyler with two with Hopkins and Hollywood, or Kyler with Hopkins and Dorch. Which which would be your? Is it still the Herbert side of it? Yeah, to me, it's still Herbert because he's just I I think a you know more talented arm. And I expect Kyler's rushing floor and ceiling to be limited by this hamstring injury he's playing through or, you know, coming back from. And then I just think that Justin Herbert is, yeah, going to be increasingly unleashed down the stretch here. And I think, too, you have to keep in mind the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury, like, something's <laughs> definitely not right. Like, the, the, they're just a little bit more dysfunctional of a bet to make than I think the Chargers, even though they're, you know, like we said, there's games where why aren't you having Justin Herbert throw the ball beyond the first down marker? But I I mean, I'd still trust Joe Lombardi and his offense a little bit more than whatever Cliff Kingsbury's got going on right now. You mean the sideline that has Nuke yelling at Kyler, <laughs> Kyler yelling at Cliff, and Robbie bitching because he's not getting in the game. You mean that's not a good uh, situation? <laughs> to uh invest in i i i agree with you um but i'm glad we actually glad we spent a lot of time on that game because i think whether or not you like stack that game up it's kind of a crux of the slate and i think that even if we're not if we're not game stacking this around a given lineup right if you're not you don't have to be building a herbert or kyler stack to be like very intrigued by pieces in this game like i think you ought to be skinny stacking Palmer and Hopkins or Palmer and Connor or Everett and, you know, and Marquise Brown, like all these guys are still very intriguing plays in a skinny stack. If you're focused on another game or if you just, you know, you find yourself stacking the chiefs or stacking the dolphins on this slate. A hundred percent. So the next game we were going to get into is actually not the chiefs, not, not, not some is a, a little bit of Vegas and uh, Seattle, which is a low key, like what uh, some might call a, a sneaky shootout. Mm-hmm. The, the opposite of the first game we talked about where I, I, I feel less confident in this game, like, like shooting out or whatever. Not mm-hmm. that it won't, but just like if you had to put a gun to my head and say which one scores more points, it's the Cardinals game. However, this one has the clear, like super, super clear paths mm-hmm. to smashing, right? You have Devontae Adams without Hunter Renfro, without Darren Waller, just dominating targets on the Vegas side. It's a slightly tougher matchup maybe than um, the other game. And then on the Seattle side, 
you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Maybe a smidgen. I really, I'm, I don't want to talk about Noah Fant. Maybe we'll talk about <laughs> Noah Fant, but I'm sick of talking. I'm sick of talking about Noah Fant and him doing nothing. Always. I'm also sick of talking about Foster Moreau and him doing nothing. If we're being honest. Yeah. Uh, and and Matt Collins. All those guys can just can, you know, go out to pasture. But <laughs> that means there's like very clear targets in this game. That has a lot of upside. I mean, yeah. uh, 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 whether it's double stacking Gino with the Devonte bring back, or stacking Derek Carr with Devonte, or skinny stacking right Devonte and Metcalf, Devonte and Lockett. Well, I'm sure Ken Walker will come up. A lot mm-hmm. of people like Ken Walker this week, rightfully so. There's a lot of ways to play this game, and I, I'm not sure it's going to get a ton of ownership because it's always hard to pick between Metcalf and Lockett. Devante is basically the same price as Tyree kill. It, it kind of like falls in this weird range and like no one's excited about the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders mm-hmm. aren't excited about the Raiders. <laughs> the Raiders are ready to go home. So like it's a, it's kind of a fun game, but like a little bit of pause. What's your first take on this one? I think, I mean, we just need to take a moment to appreciate this legendary three game run that Devontae Adams has been on. If you look at his game log, it's 17 targets, 14 targets, 13 targets across the last three games with five touchdowns in those three games, the number one receiver in two of those last three weeks. So with that volume that's been opened up, he's just been on a ridiculous tear. And I mean, obviously that's driving up his DFS salary and the corner, the the cornerbacks on the Seattle side of the ball are pretty sneakily good, but I, I think you still aren't exactly going to be betting against the guy who has shown that he's probably the. I think like a lot of receivers say he's the best receiver in the league, right? You saw I don't know if you saw that series in the off season where yep, I think Brandon yep. Marshall was visiting with like all the stud receivers and asking them to rank the guys in the game, and it's like even you know. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup are telling you that Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the league. So <laughs> that's pretty, pretty serious. He is. Um, I think we've talked, we've probably talked about Raiders game more frequently, Raiders games more frequently than most people. But it, it, a lot of the times I feel like it comes back to Devontae Adams because what we just saw, like you said, for the last three weeks, was always there. It kind of not not totally went away, but you see the you see the uh, game logs here. We had the week one with 17 targets where everybody was like, holy shit, he's still Devontae Adams from the Packers. And then like, okay, not good, not great. Okay, 13 targets, but not a smash game. Okay, two touchdowns, but not, you know, the Chiefs game was yeah, that good. was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, just he, two he, long three bombs. catches. Yeah he, yeah, he caught two bombs, which is like Devonte summoned his inner MVS from that <laughs> from, from from that game, you know. But it was like kind of a bunch of. I mean, meh is not the right term, but you know, for Devonte Adams, right. It was like eh, either the that... usage wasn't perfect or the production wasn't perfect. But now we've had both for three weeks right and i think the fantasy community overall we probably got a little spoiled with cooper cup last season we just think that the best wide receiver in fantasy can give us 25 points every single week but that was the first time it's ever happened it may continue to be the only time it's ever happened so like i think Devonte adams still as good of a bet 
as anyone else in the game. How do you, you, you mentioned the matchup for Devontae Adams and the matchup for Devontae Adams then kind of rolls into this game environment. It, at the beginning of the year, we thought, oh my God, this Seattle defense is going to be terrible. They got like a fifth round rookie at corner. What's it? Terry Woodley? Is that, Woolen. is that, uh, yeah. Woolen, Woolen. Yes. Thank you. Uh, you know, it seemed like not great, but the Seahawks defense has sneakily gotten better. Do you have any concerns about the Raiders kind of being a <laughs> bit of a mess? Uh, probably an under the understatement of the year. The Raiders really not being great right now. And then Seattle kind of coming on as as a defense in terms of this game environment. I mean, I think that one outcome I can see very realistically is like it ends up being a big game for Kenneth Walker. The Seahawks get ahead. And then if the if the Raiders are trailing, like all the more reason to love Devontae this week. I think that true. If they're gonna win, like Maybe if the Raiders get a very favorable game script, it's a big Josh Jacobs game. But I think if they're going to win, they're still going to need to run a lot of the offense through Adams. And if they're playing from behind, like he, you know, Derek Carr should just continue to pepper him with targets. So I think Devontae Adams is almost, I mean, he's pretty game script proof. So I think oh, that, yeah. that doesn't, I think that lessens the concern of the matchup if they're going to have to throw the ball 40 or 50 times. And uh, forgive me if the I don't think that the Raiders are game script. If the Raiders blow someone out the rest of the year, I will hold my L and be happy to come on here and say I was wrong. I don't see that ever happening. The defense mm-hmm. isn't good enough. The offense isn't good enough. To certainly, not, I, I can't believe this. By the way, we're in week twelve, which obviously we're far into the season now. <laughs> but if you just said months ago that like. If you were worried about someone blowing out someone in the Raiders Seahawks game, what would yeah. you say? I would be like, "Well, the Raiders would right. ransack the the Seahawks," but it's probably the opposite. Now, but to your point, there's really no game script, and that's important. Um, I, I wrote about this today with Rashad White that mm-hmm. it's like he, assuming Fournette again is out. He's just like such an impossible fade because there is not a game script that he right. doesn't smash in. And Devontae Adams is the same way. Oh, yes. If I'm totally wrong about this and the Raiders win 30 to 7, will he get his total ceiling outcome? Maybe not. But guess who's going to be involved in those 30 points? Yeah. Devontae Adams, you know, that they're, they're I, Josh Jacobs projects fine, but he's not going to go run for 200 yards on this defense and like grind it out They're They, they need Devontae to score points. Mm-hmm. And so I do like that part about this game. He's like the wide receiver Rashad white. It's like, if they score a bunch of points, guess who was involved? Devontae Adams, right? If they're down, if, if they give up a bunch of points and they're down, guess who's going to get 20 targets, Devontae Adams. Yeah. So it's kind of that's like, what I, God. It, I think it's not unlike the new Hopkins situation where it's just like, dude, the, their offense clearly needs to run through this guy and win or lose. He's going to be very involved. So what about the, what about the, well, let's actually do the Raiders. Is there anyone else? Are you, are, are we giving up on Foster Moreau? <laughs> are we giving up on Matt Collins? Is there anything else? If we want to like full out stack this game, is there anything else that, on the Raiders? I think that Mac Hollins is definitely more intriguing than Moreau. He's shown 
a pretty decent ability to earn targets a few games this year. And I think he had something like nine targets last week. Yeah, there it is. Um, you know, I played him. I, pl- I played him in these. I played him in these two games. If you were curious, <laughs> and not not this one, and not uh, where's the forty spot he had? Yeah, not this one. And uh, I played him in the the two catches for seventeen yard <laughs> games. But yes, anyway, carry on. But yeah, I think that I mean we know that football and DFS are just super inconsistent. So a guy who has that game in his repertoire is someone that I think we should be interested in playing at four and a half, four point four K. And then Moreau's a little bit tougher to trust. His his uh his involvement hasn't been as good recently. We he's kind of one of those dudes where you pencil him in if Waller doesn't play, but even though he played over he's played over ninety percent of snaps in every game since week seven. And I mean, he went, he had five targets, nine targets, five targets in those first three, but the last two weeks, it's only been four and three targets, but I'm still kind of, I think he's still kind of worth a look because his route participation has stayed consistently high. Like even last mm-hmm. week with only three targets, he was in on 73% of routes for the team. So, you know, some weeks the guys are just not going to get the ball thrown their way, but if they're on the field and they're running those routes, then it can happen again the following week. I think that's one of the kind of, I mean, you look at Hunter Henry last night, for example, right? People who were just looking at targets the night before or the the week before, rather, Jonu Smith seemed like, oh no, is he taking over for Hunter Henry and actually becoming the tight end 1A? But if you were looking at the routes and the route participation, you knew that Hunter Henry just kind of had an unlucky stretch there, but he's still been running more routes than Jonu Smith. So I think... At tight end, especially, I'd like to pay close attention to route participation because it seems like it's a little more fluky which games you get the seven targets and which games you get the two. Yeah, I mean, none of these guys, awesome, awesome comparison that you made. None of these guys at tight end outside of Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, RIP Kyle Pitts. <laughs> none of these guys, uh, goddamn, I'm so mad we even are talking about this because now I'm just going to, tilt Kyle Pitts for the next <laughs> couple of hours. But none of these guys are the best players on their offense, right? Hunter Henry is not. Mm-hmm. Dalton Schultz is not. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson. Like, let's use the Thanksgiving day. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is a fine football player. He's not better than Justin Jefferson. Foster Moreau is not better than Devontae Adams. He wasn't better than Hunter Renfro. He's a backup to Darren Waller for a reason. But when you are just out there, and my favorite thing about Foster Moreau is the Hunter Henry example. People weren't playing Hunter Henry necessarily in, in DFS, but there's this insane flop lag that like he's playing every snap, he's running every route. And there's like almost no tight ends that do this. And the ones that do it, we have to pay Mark Andrews is 6,500. Travis Kelsey, 7,700. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey doesn't even run every route. He's just a, a mutant. <laughs> but we everyone has been playing Foster Moreau since Darren Waller got hurt. All these shitty five-point games, nine-point games, four-point games, everybody's playing Foster Moreau. I feel like now, like this now, is when you play Foster Moreau. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody gave up. This is what happened with Devontae Adams. Before he started his insane stretch, everyone gave up. 
they were like, he was playing the Jags, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, three literally three weeks ago was when Devontae Adams started his his tear against the Jags. Also, mm-hmm. he did that all in like the first half. Devontae could have put up fifty if yeah. the Raiders weren't weren't incompetent in that game. But that's what I'm saying is like everyone has given up on Foster Moreau, and I'm not even saying that's wrong. But I'm saying from a DFS player's perspective, it's like all you really got to fade is Kelsey and Andrews. And you don't even have to fade them from like, oh, if they have a good game, you're buried. But like if Moreau scores 16 points and Andrews scores 25, I'm just throwing random numbers out there. And you get to. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Vontae, and you get maybe DK Metcalf in this game, or Tyree Kill, or I really like Jamar Chase this week, those kinds of things. If you get those guys with the savings and you come close enough to these other stud tight ends, this is the reason people have been playing Foster Moreau for two months. And yeah. and now, it, but now I know we don't have projected ownership up here, but my guess is it's going to be minuscule on Foster Moreau. And yeah. it's finally the first week where everybody's like, Nope, I'm done. I'm done with this loser. He doesn't do anything. And this might be the best match. I mean, Denver's not a good matchup. The Colts are like a average matchup. The Jags were a good, were, were a reasonable matchup, but that all just went to Devante. Mm-hmm. It's like, maybe well, that, was, finally that was a classic spot. Raiders game where same thing happened when they played the chiefs, right? Like they get ahead, they get run heavy, they blow the lead. And so you end up with a loss, but it wasn't the negative game script that you'd hope to see for the pass catchers. So I think that it's kind of like very context dependent week to week. And I think that, yeah, like 3,400, he's running all the routes. He's he's out there on the field. The Seahawks are a plus matchup for tight ends. We have them allowing three points above the league average to tight ends. So that's eighth worst or eighth best matchup, depending on how you want to, you know, phrase it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's a decent spot for a guy who's going to be playing. We know he's done it before filling in for Waller. I mean, he hasn't really hit the ceiling this season, but he has like 15, 18, 20 point games in his past. So I think that like, yeah, it's funny because we started this conversation with like just being grossed out by the thought of playing Foster Moreau, but I think we've (laughs) kind of both talked ourselves into it. now I'm literally gonna play Foss. Like in my main my main team, I already got it lined up. And here's what I was gonna bring up to close this game out. Isn't the clean like maybe the cleanest step? We we spent the, the first half hour talking about the Cardinals game. And that game is fun. No argument for me. But it's not clean. 
like right like in terms of uh-huh. who to play or whatever and yes in this game there are two running backs who i like both ken walker you see on your screen here a lot of people tag ken walker he looks like <laughs> a great play I, I i have no argument against him but if it kind of shoots out you have that's that maybe the cleanest path on the entire slate for a game stack of whether i prefer gino i think Mm-hmm. Gino, Metcalf, Lockett, Devontae, Moreau, or something like that, and just be like, this game, we're going to pass. This game's going to shoot out. It's all going to come through the air. That just feels so smooth and clean to me. And you can get pick your running backs or whatever in the other games that you like. You're getting, theoretically, all the production from this game through a handful of guys in the passing game. And that's like... We've talked about this a ton of times for anyone that's watched on this. I bring it up probably every week, but it's like we talked about it with, uh, oh God, this is going to be a horrible comparison, but it was like, uh, it was one of the Lamar games. Uh, it might've been the Dolphins, Ravens, Dolphins, where it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm I know I'm comparing a Gino Derek Carr game to a, to a Lamar game. But like when I know, when I know where it's all going to come from last, mm-hmm. so here, here's a better comp last week. The Steelers played the Bengals, and there's no Jamar Chase. Yeah, shout out to Matt for nailing that one. I was 100 visibly uncomfortable the entire time we were talking I, about that I, game. I'm gonna send I'm gonna send Matt a, a gift a gift basket because he got me on it. I totally agree. It was like even if it, but the whole point is if it shoots out, awesome. Of course, that's what we want mm-hmm. to target. But even if it if it it is isn't the highest scoring game on the slate. I we know, know where, where the going. ball is going. Yeah. So like if it's 28-24, you can win a tournament with this with the Seahawks Raiders game. If if the Cardinals game is 28-24, you're not winning shit. Pardon my French. Yeah. You're 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 not because like who, you know, is it Dorch? Is it AJ Green? Is it Trey McBride? Is it Connor? I don't know. In this game, there's three guys on the Seattle side and there's three guys on the Raiders side. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, those are my favorite games to target. And then you get it at like what I think is going to be low ownership. I think this game, now that we've talked it through, is like maybe my favorite tournament game of the week. Yeah, I, I think that there's good reason to like it. And like you said, with all the chunk on this slate, like this isn't going to be drawing a ton of ownership, I, I would anticipate. No. Talk about, can can you walk me through the Seattle side though really quickly? Because I... Devonte feels easy. Moreau, we just talked through that we both like. Um, Matt Collins, you know, if you want to use some Matt Collins, uh, I, I'm not. I have no problem with Josh Jacobs, whatever. But Seattle, Ken Walker is where everyone's going to go, and I don't have a problem with him. But what about Metcalf, Lockett, maybe even Fant? What do you think about Seattle? I think yeah, if you're double stacking Geno, it's very clear that you're going to be doing it with Metcalf and Lockett. It's it, it's pretty straightforward, and I mean, I, the the tight end room is really just it's just gross. Like the, there's the, like Noah Fant is going to run fifteen routes. Will Disley's going to run another twelve, and then Colby Parkinson's going to run like eight. They traded Russell could just... Wilson. Who who who? And <laughs> now looking back, maybe this was uh, the brilliance of the Seahawks. But like they traded Russell Wilson for this guy. <laughs> this asshole up here and they don't use him ever it's so infuriating yeah i i think that that's kind of like maybe if 
if I'm building 150 lineups and 15 or 20 of them are Geno stacked, maybe 10% of those I'm sprinkling in Fant. And maybe one of those I'm just like throwing a prayer on Disley. But it's it's really just another one where I think it's best not to overthink it. And you play Lockett, you play Metcalf, they're going to catch most of the touchdowns from Geno and a lot of the yards too. So I, I think it's pretty open and shut with the Seahawks offense, at least through the, through the air. Before we move on to kind of the pristine offenses of the slate, because honestly, the, uh, these two games are kind of the most exciting games, but the uh, there's a couple other offenses we really want to target. Do you have any concerns about kind of like back to the rust days with Seattle, having both, Metcalf and Lockett on the same team. Do you think that they can both get there or do you want to do, would you prefer a tournament lineup with like Gino to Metcalf with Devante as a bring back? Or would you prefer Carr, Adams, Moreau with one of the Seattle guys mm-hmm. to bring back? I'm, I'm just curious about Metcalf and Lockett in the same lineup, basically. I think that's actually, I mean, that would make that, that thought makes me want to just like research the kind of correlation between Metcalf and Lockett because I feel like we've seen a good many games where they can both get there for you with like 70 80 yards touchdown yeah. a piece but maybe when you're looking for that 90 plus percentile outcome for one or the other that hinders the uh, like the other one of them not hitting that crazy ceiling but I think with how how weak this Raiders secondary is their top five in allowing fantasy points to the quarterback. I think that, you know, we've seen Gino, like, I mean, if you would have told me before the season that Gino Smith would be playing at an elite level and Derek Carr would be looking like, <laughs> like shit, frankly, like he's going to play for the Colts. Yeah. Next year. He's going to be the next Colts, uh, recycled the, quarterback. The retread, yeah. <laughs> so if you would have told me that that would be how we'd be looking at these quarterbacks going into this game, that would be crazy. But I think that given that situation, I like they're they're attached to the better quarterback in the game. It's a it's a bad pass defense that they're going up against. I think that you know if they if they get lucky enough to get three touchdowns between the two of them, you probably want them both in your lineup. Like that could very well happen. I think as we've talked it through, if I were and I'm biased because these are the contests that I play, a little smaller field. Mm-hmm. type stuff a gina like i would just double stack them because of what you said it if i if i hit the 99th percentile metcalf game or whatever that's a gino smash and it's a metcalf smash even if lockett gets like 13 points i can win my thousand man field or mm-hmm. whatever 500 man field and the millie maker i think it would be more of one or the other. I, I could be very much wrong with that. Someone uh, much smarter than I. I don't. I don't focus on those those fields. So someone could correct me on that. But I think that's how I would approach it. Is kind of the stuff that I play, and I'm like, this is the game. I just want all the production. I don't really. I don't. I don't care if it's twenty Metcalf and twenty Locket or forty Metcalf and ten Locket. I don't care. I just mm-hmm. want it all because I can win the tournament that way, right? Assuming it's Devonte on the other side or whatever. But yeah. in the Millie Maker, where like I gotta beat you know <laughs> three hundred thousand people, 
I think it'd be a, li- a, a little bit different. So just a, a unique kind of uh, kind of game. Let's talk about, because this one is a fascinating conversation to me, the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. The, so the Chiefs play the Rams, and the, the Rams are quite possibly the biggest dumpster fire in the entire NFL, which is yeah, crazy I, to say because they won the Super Bowl <laughs> last, last year. But um, they, as you see here, we don't even have St- – I, I haven't seen Stafford news. Is he uh, officially out? I don't know. Uh, I think he might be. I, I, I don't think anyone expects him to play. I don't know if it's officially been ruled out, but I, I – you know, I you I think you can write it off. It's funny. I actually was looking because I was wondering if this was the case, and they have the longest money line odds of any game this season, the Rams this week. So that's just how far they've fallen and how strong this matchup looks for the Chiefs. What is your macro view on this game? Because I think that's more important than even necessarily some of the plays. We'll get into Kelsey and Juju and uh, Sky and all that. But, like, the Rams without Cooper Cup and without Matthew Stafford, everyone's going to play the Chiefs' defense is my mm-hmm. expectation. Yeah. But if if the Chiefs are going to win 40-7, to seven, that's still 40 points. That's still yeah. 40 points. So, like, how do we go about this game if we don't think the Rams are going to be competitive? I mean, I think it's Isaiah Pacheco week is is, oh, the, is the big <laughs> the big takeaway for me there. The the Rams do on paper look like an above average run defense, but like you said, I think that given how this game could go, like if you're Andy Reid and you have this rookie running back who's clearly been earning your trust, like and you have a game where you can give him 25 carries, I don't see why not. Like, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is hurt. Maybe maybe if it's a total blowout, Rojo comes in in the fourth quarter. But, like, I think this is the perfect, perfect Isaiah Pacheco spot. And then I think that because of the Kadarius-Tony injury, it kind of clarifies the target tree on the Chiefs side as well, where, like, the obvious double stack with Kelsey and Juju is pretty likely to be profitable maybe you skinny stack one or the other just to kind of get different or because maybe they just won't be throwing the ball that much but the chiefs are also overall pretty um positive pass rate over expectation team like even when they're ahead they're not gonna pound the ball like crazy is there anything um from the ram side that you would so even if it's 40 to 7 the rams are cheap Mm-hmm. If you get right, so they 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 cut Daryl Henderson, which was uh, a, a surprise, and a, 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 I actually don't know if that was good or bad for me in uh, the best ball streets. Uh, the Rams are so bad. Maybe Daryl Henderson being ETN's backup is 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 better for me. But now we have Kyron Williams and Cam Akers, and I guess a sprinkle of of Ronnie Rivers. Obviously, there is mm-hmm. no there is no Cooper Cup. A Rob is questionable and Tyler Higby is questionable. I'm assuming that they're going to play, but if whether they do or not, is there anything from the Rams side that we can be like? I mean, the game script's there. We know that the Chiefs are going to, well, we, I assume we know that the Chiefs are going to kind of ransack these guys. Is there anything, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, Higby, is there anything on the Rams side that you're interested in to make this like a fun game stack? 
I think for me, it's probably Higby just because they're rolling with their third string quarterback. They're going to want to call, you know, plays that are, I think, fairly conservative. We've seen Higby get a lot of work in games where they are playing from behind. So I think, like you say, if they're they're probably both going to play Robinson and Higby. I mean, the Rams could just totally throw in the towel and say, no, you guys can take the day off too. Two, two. 100% of the um, Rams of uh, 140 pound two, two. Yeah. But yeah, I think for me, the run back, if I'm game stacking this, is probably Higby because I think that, you know, they do have to throw the ball a few times and it has to go to somewhere. But I, I don't hate the idea of just saying, screw it. We're, we'll just just stack the chiefs and not even think about the Rams side play the chiefs I, I, defense in your stack while you're at it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you need to play. I think a Ram, but I think you can is that, and this is, it makes me again, it makes me sick to my stomach because Allen Robinson is not my kind of guy. Van Jefferson is definitely not my kind of guy, but like if you want to get in them in like a, again, contest specific, you know, I'm not playing Kyron Williams or Cam Akers or something like that in yeah. uh, in my single entry teams. If you want to get crazy in a Millie Maker team with Mahomes and Kelsey and Juju, and you play like Kyron as a bring back, I, I don't think it's unreasonable type of. I, I I think these Rams are sprinkles in large field tournaments. Probably not your single entry, three entry max type plays, but I do think like. This is yeah. the dream. This is the this is the dream. Like I know that they are going to have to play catch up, which means receptions. Am I expecting uh, Bryce Perkins to complete a bunch of balls? No, no, probably not. But it's there. The opportunity yeah. is going to be there for them. Yeah, I think that Kyron Williams is probably the most intriguing sprinkle for sure. I mean, this just hit me, and maybe you can tell me to to dial it back. But I think that. <laughs> maybe the craziest way to play this game would be to do what we did with fields a couple of weeks ago against the dolphins mm. with Bryce Perkins, just take Bryce like Perkins it. and the savings at quarterback with a Kelsey and a Juju and the chiefs defense while you're at it. And then he gets those rushing yards because I mean, he had, I think, let's see how many carries was it in five carries when he came into the game in like the third quarter. Yep. So if they're playing from behind and, it seems like McVeigh, maybe it's a, you know, the way that they're calling the offense with Perkins involved. Like he, there was a lot of those runs look designed. So maybe there's a scenario where Bryce Perkins gets you 70 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And the optimal stack is with him on the other side of it. I, I don't know. <laughs> it feels a little crazy to say out loud, but at only 5K, it opens up a lot of salary as opposed to playing Mahomes. You're talking to the wrong person if you think that that's crazy to say out loud because these are the kinds of things I think are the things to talk about in tournaments. Everyone's going to tell you to play Tua, which we'll get to in just a second. Everyone's going to tell you to play Mahomes or Lamar or whatever. Bryce Perkins, for anyone that played college football DFS when he was at Virginia, was a god. <laughs> he all that He is an elite runner. He's not like... Lamar or whatever as a runner, but he's, he's like a blend between Lance and fields. Lance is like a power runner and fields is like a, a speed runner and kind of a power runner, but he's like a little more straight line speed than Trey Lance. Probably. I don't know. I, I could be totally wrong. He, he might be slower, but it just feels like that. He's got juice as a runner, but he's, but Lance is like a, if you're a 
corner. You don't want to tackle Trey Lance in the open field. Like he he's this weird archetype of a quarterback where, I mean, you see last week, like, look, he only scored six fantasy points in a, a fraction of a game, but I mean, 40 rushing yards in a fraction of a game. And why can't he continue that? Like he's going to run. I'll tell you this much. He's going to run. Is he going to run for 30 yards or is he going to run for a hundred yards? Obviously I have no idea. Is he going to be successful passing? Probably not, but <laughs> he's 5k. Like we, we were talking right, about, I mean, Sam, we've, we've remember played... we talked about Sam Ellinger. Yeah. We, 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 not this show. We didn't play Sam Ellinger, but the whole industry talked about Sam Ellinger for a week. Right. Because he runs and whatever. Mm-hmm. Bryce Perkins. And he ran for like negative runs. two yards. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Ellinger is like a, a you know, a, a zone read college quarterback. It's like those guys run, but like they're not runners. Bryce Perkins is Bryce Perkins is a runner. It's like, why can't he keep up just enough, right? You just need you just need a couple of scores. Rams mm-hmm. to just do just he keeps one zone read and runs for 60 yards for a touchdown. And Travis now Travis Kelsey's unlocked, Juju's unlocked, MVS is unlocked, and maybe he throws a bomb to whatever. You don't even have to stack him. Like you said, with he can be your Justin Fields. I think he's a more reasonable tournament play than everyone will admit, basically, is all I'm saying. He's probably gonna score mm-hmm. nine fantasy points. That's like if I'm throwing a random projection at the wall, it's like 10 points. But if he 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 legitimately has a hundred yards and a touchdown rushing in his mm-hmm. range of outcomes. And then all you need is like, dude, just give me like 150 passing yards. That's what Fields was doing. That's what Fields was doing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's in the range. They're going to be down by a million. I, yeah, like I mean, like the, I, I like your, your idea of like what you, like what you said with the fields with, with Tyreek and Waddle, it's him with tire or him with Kelsey and Juju or whatever. Right. I mean, we have him projected for more points than like, you know, the Kenny Pickett's and Andy Dalton's of the yeah. world this week. And I think it's, you know, pretty straightforward given the rushing floor. So there's definitely a world where Mahomes doesn't air the ball out as much as we'd like him to because it's a very easy game script for them. And then Bryce Perkins ends up being the best quarterback for, you know, he's what, like three and a half K less? Like yeah. 8,200. Yeah. He's 30, he's 3,200 less and projects point per dollar again point per dollar is not everything you need raw points but he's right next to Patrick Mahomes I, I think <clears throat> I think he's getting so fun fact you see our boy Gino up here at the top of the point per dollar rankings you see Derek Carr you know in the top five of the point per dollar rankings and followed up not that far away by by Bryce Perkins I think that some of the guys that we talked about here, we're, we're very excited about that Cardinals game, but the, these guys can be the linchpin of the slate because Mahomes is very expensive. Kyler and Herbert are, have flaws. Lamar doesn't have anyone. Lamar threw the ball to Demarcus Robinson like 12 times last week. That's Mm -hmm. not particularly exciting from a quarterback upside perspective. It's like, Outside of Tua, which is what we're going to polish up the the show with, it's like there's not a lot here, you know, at, at quarterback. It feels like a wide open week, but there's not a lot. So if you can just get like tw- like we're really stretching it, but let's say you get 25 points from Bryce Perkins, like you can win the slate because you got everything else mm-hmm. in your lineup. Yeah, and I mean, 
even though the Rams have, I think, I'm sure it's the lowest game total on the slate, right? I see you see that big red 13 and a half. <laughs> even if they get to, like, that's two touchdowns, right? If he's lucky enough to throw for one and run for the other, like, dude, you're set with that for 5K. I mean, that's 10 points. That doesn't even account for the yardage. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I just think I'm glad we had this show, like I say, every single week because it helps me hone in on my thoughts. I'm very excited about the Geno stuff, but I think that if you're going to sprinkle like a crazy quarterback or not, it's not just about the quarterback. It's about, like you said, the field, the construction. You want all the running backs you want. You want Kelsey. You want you want Tyreek. You want, like I said, I really like Jamar Chase. I know that's crazy. Some people say that's crazy. You you want Jamar Chase? You want Devontae Adams? You want? Mm-hmm. Do you want to stack these other games with Travis Kelsey and everything that you want? Bryce Perkins right. is there for you. I know He's it sounds crazy. I mean, for how much talk Sam Ellinger got in DFS the for like what three or four weeks ago, like Bryce Perkins deserves at least as much more. hype, if not more. And no one, yeah. and no, n- no one is even going to say, everyone's just going to say Chiefs defense. Mm-hmm. No one's even going to consider him. But Ellinger was like, oh my God, we got to play Sam Ellinger because he's a running quarterback at 4K or whatever. And it's like, I, I think Perkins is a better play. I, I, do I think he's going to work out? No. Like, gun to my <laughs> head. No, he's going to score like nine fantasy points. But I, I, I think that he makes sense. Um, in tournaments. Anyway, we spent too much time talking about Bryce Perkins. We're going to polish up with the offense that's going to score like a billion points probably on Sunday, and that is the Dolphins. We're going to talk Dolphins, Texans, mostly mostly Dolphins. Um, Two two main things I want to pick your brain on with the Dolphins is everyone looks good. So Mm -hmm. how do we approach a team where Every like the running game looks good, the passing game looks good, and the passing game has theoretical concerns about the opponent keeping up, right? The Texans need to score mm-hmm. to make Tua and Tyreek and Waddle and Gasicki and everybody relevant. And then it looks like I don't I haven't seen anything uh today, but yesterday the report on Raheem Mostert was very ominous, and it looks like we might just get a Jeff Wilson week. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen anything more on, on Moster, but I believe the report was it's an uphill battle for him to play on Sunday, which makes me really like Jeff Wilson. So how are you kind of thinking about the Dolphins in terms of your your tournament exposure? I, I think that just to add to the Raheem Moster point, I think the report today was had the word unlikely in it. So that is adding on to the uphill battle phrasing. And I do yeah. think that, it's just definitely even if like why force Mostert to play when you should be curb stopping the Texans. Yeah. And yeah, I love Jeff Wilson this week. He's been, he's been better than Mostert in the, I think it's been two games now they've shared the backfield and Wilson's gotten more touches, more snaps, more yards. He's more explosive on those touches. So I think that, he's a very exciting play against this God awful Texans run defense. <laughs> and then the great thing about the dolphins offense too, is like, if you look at the uh, pass rate over expectation, they're still running slightly above expectation They're I think maybe eighth in the league. If I'm counting correctly on this chart I'm looking at. So they're probably still going to throw the ball at least a little bit while they're ahead. I do think maybe it's more of a, Tua, Wilson, and one of Waddle and Tyreek game as opposed to a Tua double with Waddle, Tyreek, or Waddle, Gasicki. Like, I think 
I don't mind playing Wilson with Tua this week because I think they're going to just absolutely run away with this game. And if Tua has a big game, it's still going to be a big game for Wilson. Where would, kinda... Tua, where would Tua rank among, amongst your quarterbacks? Or like say a, either a Tua, Tyreek, like compare Tua, Tyreek to uh, our Geno talks or Herbert Palmer or Kyler Nuke. Where does it kind of rank in your order? Let me pull up some stats on Tua really quick. I think that, you know, surprisingly, the Texans pass defense against fantasy quarterbacks spits out as being like pretty, pretty decent. They're allowing, I think, maybe the sixth least fantasy points to quarterbacks. And I don't think that's because they're good at defending the pass. I think it's because teams are getting up big on the Texans. So I think that's kind of an ominous um, trend for Tua's upside. Like I'm probably more inclined to play Herbert or Gino in this case. Like I think just, I mean, this is going to be the chalky way to look at this game. Probably I'm sure that Jeff Wilson's going to be like 35% owned, but I think that you kind of eat that chalk with Jeff Wilson, given his explosiveness, given the elite offense and given, I think that, you know, the way we project this game script to look. And then you kind of eat that chalk with the Geno stacks or the Herbert stacks or our crazy Bryce Perkins scenario. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think from this game, Wilson's probably my favorite play. I agree. I, I totally agree. Um, you're not, you're not going to get me this like every week. This is the 12th week of me saying, I'm not going to say anything negative about Tyreek Hill. I'm not going to say anything negative about Jalen Waddle. They can nuke any single slate, but I feel like Jeff Wilson is just a really tough fade. I know he's going to be popular, but man, it's, it's just such a good spot. And Mm -hmm. um, I really don't want to get too like, I I like to get cute, but it seems like a spot. I don't want to get too, too cute with what about the Texans side? If you do want to stack to a, or if you want to, you know, onslaught the Dolphins, are you playing, you know, Damian Pierce again, <laughs> always projects fine and never has the, the ceiling to break the slate. Nico has been getting some more work and looks okay. Brandon Cooks and any of that, anything on the Texan side? I think that Nico is probably the most intriguing as a run back just because he's 4.1K. And he's seen like nine target games, five target games, and his DFS salary is still hardly moving. So he's going to, he's going to get the ball coming his way. I think that, I mean, if you want to go really off the grid, Chris Moore has been getting a lot more looks recently than than weeks past. So like, if you want to just get crazy alternative, he's been someone who's been kind of getting involved in the offense lately we're looking at 25% target share, 16%, 21% across the last three weeks. And that's, you know, pretty solid, right? For for a guy that no one's going to play or even have heard of at 3.8K. So that's kind of, I think if, if you're going to make me do a run back from this game, it's going to be someone who's cheap as hell. And I'm just hoping that they get to, you know, five catches and 80 yards and they can make other things work in my lineup but that's probably the extent of to which i'm looking to you know um run back the dolphins offense in this game 
Chris Moore is the Bryce Perkins of wide receivers. Yeah, that's what we're, that's what that's what we're going to call him. It's like, yeah, we're, look, the title of this episode expecting... is "Play Bryce Perkins and Chris Moore." <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to stop listening to this show after after we talked about Bryce Perkins and uh, and Foster Moreau. Shot Foster Moreau is going to score seven fantasy points again this weekend. And Bryce Perkins is going to score nine, and Chris Moore is going to catch six balls for 30 yards. And they're going to be like, why the hell do we listen to these guys? But to your point, Chris Moore and Nico, Nico probably has a, a smidge more juice, but I don't know. Chris Moore is getting just as much work. I'm not sure that he's really that much worse than Nico as an actual real life NFL wide receiver. And again, these, these guys for tournaments are not. You know, it's easy to talk about Tyreek and Devontae and, and and even Jeff Wilson or whatever. These guys are like, I put everyone in my lineup I want. Who do I play that's cheap to make mm-hmm. it work? And it's like, look, Chris Moore's not going to score 30 fantasy points. But like you said, if you get seven targets and he goes five for 60 in a touchdown, and 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 more importantly... He's the reason why he pushes your dolphin stack, right? You played Tua, Tyreek, and Waddle, and they score an early, the Texans score an early touchdown, and it's to Chris Moore. Do you know why your dolphin stack won the tournament? It's not because of the dolphin right. stack, it's because of Chris Moore. And that's like the Bryce Perkins thing. That was the now Justin Fields and Bryce Perkins are not the same. I'm not trying to make that, trying, not trying to make that parallel. But why, why was that whole idea? even brought up it's because those guys are the the little building block that makes everything else work mm-hmm. and so i do think it's important to touch on those guys and right. uh, you know am i gonna play chris moore in my single entry team no probably not but if if i if i build a dolphin stack that i love and the last spots 3800 you bet your ass i'm playing chris moore and mm-hmm. i and i think it's a reasonable thing to do Right. Sometimes those $300 between Chris Moore and Nico Collins are what lets you play the absolute dream lineup as opposed to having to tweak things somewhere else. And then you end up with something you don't like. And then, I mean, if you want just any, if you need any further logic behind the Chris Moore play, he leads the team in red zone targets across the last five (laughs) weeks with five red zone targets in the last three games. So like, it's not even that unreasonable to say maybe Chris Moore is that guy who catches a touch the one Texans touchdown this week I, I I don't think it's unreasonable excuse me it's unreasonable to say I plug my two running backs I want and I and I say I'm Adam I'm not playing Jeff Wilson I'm playing a two a double stack right in this lineup we're 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 wish casting a lineup I'm playing Tua to Tyreek and Waddle because they're going to destroy the Texans. And I, and I, to, in order to, maybe I want to play Kelsey or Andrews or something at tight end. Do you know how you make that work? Nico Collins and Chris Moore. And you say, maybe the Texans score. Maybe Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen unlocks, unlocks the Texans <laughs> offense and they score. You know, that, clearly that's not going to happen, but you just need a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you want your, your maybe you're gonna go crazy off the board. I'm building a lineup for everybody. If it wins the millie, uh, I'll then I'll send you my Venmo. You want Eckler? Our, remember our Eckler Ken Walker stack? I want the Eckler James Connor 
at running mm-hmm. back, right? That's my exposure to that game. And then I say, look, the the Chiefs are going to crush the Rams, and it's going to be Travis Kelsey. He's going to be the highest scoring tight end. And the Dolphins are going to score a ton of points, so I just want to stack their pass game. And I don't have a lot of money left. So I'm going to run it back with either Chris Moore or Nico Collins or both, right? One of them's in the flex. It's mm-hmm. like these lineups seem crazy, but like there's very easy scenarios in which in which they crush. So, you know, the, the, this slate has opened up to me a little bit as we've talked so, this through, but these kind of crazy builds are pretty fun. Yeah, so this is our cash game optimizer, which actually allows you to build. Basically, we're optimizing here on the median projection as opposed to the ceiling projection, which is how the GPP optimizer works. But here you can truly build your lineup from scratch. So we can do like something this. like locking in Tua, Eckler, Connor, Tyreek, and Chris Moore, like you said. The rest of the salary is going toward Garrett Wilson, Hayden Hurst, Latavius Murray's another running back. I mean, we haven't even mentioned his name yet this episode, but he's you know lining up for at least 15 touches this week. Ah, and then yeah. of course the Chiefs defense, like you know, there's that's a, a good lot. Team. That's a <laughs> yeah, really, a good, lot that's like a really good lineup. That's a, and do you know what that, that lineup won't even be duped in like large field tournaments because no one wants to play that lineup, but it's a really good lineup. Yeah, and then we can let's close out the show with, I guess we can build our Bryce Perkins stacks let's and build see where this Bryce. takes. I want to I want to see a Perkins Kelsey lock Perkins and Kelsey in. Uh huh. You don't uh not don't have to stack Perkins or whatever, but I want to see Perkins Kelsey. Any other thing that we need to lock in? I think let's just let's do. I think we could lock in Devonte just because yeah, we talked about that. salary savings being yep. the thesis of the play. So give us at most one Ram here and maybe let's force in two chiefs. Okay. Okay. I like and it. And then let's see where this takes us. Oh yeah. Now we're talking, we also didn't talk about P Ryan, um, <clears throat> which I'm not particularly interested in, but maybe that's me. It's like uh, Rashad P Ryan and Wilson. <laughs> that's hilarious. But that's uh. I- I mean, but that's, that's the value coming in for yep. sure. Yep, a hundred percent. You can get you want Chris and Godwin and Rashad White, whatever. But like, this is exactly the thought experiment. Like you these guys, everyone, all these I guys. See. Look what you can get with them with, right? Perkins and right. <laughs> this has Justin Watson. But if you would like to swap out Justin Watson for Sky Moore, then that's right. fine. Same price too. Where is he? Also, I played Justin Watson. Uh, Two weeks, two weeks ago, yeah, two week, two weeks ago, yeah, it was. It, it, I luck boxed the, uh, I think it was the Juju injury, but also then didn't luck box because Justin Watson did absolutely nothing, and so uh, <laughs> real tilt. Yeah, and then I mean, what's you the next? Get, what's this? This is a Juju lineup with Godwin again, Latavius Murray, and Rashad White are the chalky running backs. I mean, your projections love Garrett Wilson every week. That is I know. Uh, something I've noticed, but he's a really good play this week. I will say, I mean, maybe he gets unlocked by Mike White. You never know. God, what a sad state of affairs for the Jets. Maybe Mike White unlocks the offense. <laughs> I mean, Mike White could resuscitate Elijah Moore for all we know. Here's Please. a little bit of Keenan for us. And let's just, I'm going to, 
turn up the correlation just to see what we can maximize here in terms of stacking the other games too. You get... Oh, look at there. McKinnon. There, We're getting fancy at running back. Demarcus Robinson, Nico, ETN. Okay. Yeah, McKinnon, I mean, he projects nicely because he's been seeing a lot of targets these last few weeks. CEH being out opens up even more room for that. Pacheco, there we Where's go. Pacheco? Our boy. See, there's your... Yeah. I love the force X amount of bringbacks with like the Bryce Perkins thing. Because it, it, you you don't those are not teams you would build intuitively, like right. the and Pacheco. I mean, you, even get, you even get the Pacheco Chiefs defense stack. I think yep. I think you can play Perkins with the Chiefs defense, like just because he gets lucky enough to if, if he gets you there on offense, doesn't mean he can't throw a pick six. Like I think it very strip very sack well fumble. In play. Yeah, he can score twenty points, and the Chiefs defense can score eighteen points. It's it's fine. Right, and then we can. I mean, we could even swap Nico Collins for uh, for MVS if we felt like it. They're right in the same price pool, but of course, Chris Moore is is our hot take coming out of here. But God, I think that cut, there's cut that cut that we don't we don't Bryce Perkins and Chris Moore uh, and Foster Moreau hot take that uh, we're gonna get banned off of uh, uh, the shows. Well, but to be fair, we, we, Khalif Raymond and DPJ and all these guys, it, it's been working. So uh, maybe we're on to something. You know, what is it saying? A blind squirrel does find a nut every once in a while. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, is there any is there any other game or play or anything like that that you just wanted to point out real quick before we uh, polish up? Um, I think we, we've covered everything I had on the sheet here, I guess. I think, I mean, we could run through a, a Geno double stack if we really wanted to. Run a, run a, run a, run. Can you force a Geno Metcalf Lockett Devontae team? I just want to see what it looks like. In yeah, the, we uh, should be able to do that because I can just tell it no stacking the running back or the tight end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, one, one. Yeah, we don't. I mean, yeah. if we move it to two, then we might get a Moro and Adams on the right back. <laughs> Which I mean, that's fine. Might be my team um, on Sunday. But yeah, there we go. Lockett, Adams, and Metcalf. You get P. Ryan, Latavius Murray as the running back value. Chiefs defense is obviously going to be so chalky. But I mean, this is a good looking team. Yep. Love it. Absolutely love it. See, those teams are really fun to me. Keenan, Dulcich, Rashad White. Rashad White. That's just like, how could you not? Jeff, Jeff Wilson. Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Yeah, Optimizer seems to like Hurst a lot. Hurst. Only 3,300. Yeah. I take notes every time the Optimizer is jamming someone in, uh, like Joe Mixon. Ever since the Joe Mixon week, I'm like, okay, whatever the Optimizer is jamming in, I should take note of because uh, <laughs> I was ignorant to – not ignorant to. I was aware that Joe Mixon was a good play, but I was very stubborn. And so uh, yeah. maybe Hayden Hurst is that guy this week. Yeah, but, th- I mean, these lineups are all – very sexy, I think, with the Geno double stack. You still can afford Devontae. Like you said, the cheap running back value really just unlocks everything for us this week. I mean, look at that. Being able to defo- to afford Devontae Adams with smash running backs and a Seahawks double stack is like, that's that's the dream. And that, that, that's a tournament. That's how you make a tournament team. This Juju spot is nothing to scoff at either. Like, you fit him in there too. Very nice. 
I think that 100%. both the defenses are very much in play in this Panthers and Broncos <laughs> game. Like <laughs> that's going to be a, a fun what's one the for the fantasy like 20, defenses. Thirty six, <laughs> yeah, twenty four or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. As we always do, we have to wrap up. We have gone through some wild takes on on this episode, so I'm interested to hear the the conviction play. And we wrap up every episode with a what is the the play stack individual player whatever that you have to have in a tournament lineup to take down gpps in week 12 uh please don't say chris moore or something (laughs) but uh what is dario what's the what's the take this week i think i mean i think you have to eat the jeff wilson chalk is is my big one probably he's just He's looked so good this year. He was above average in like rush over expectation while he was with the Niners. That's translated over very nicely to the Dolphins offense. We know McDaniel is an offensive guru. We know the Texans are a dream matchup for any running back. I mean, we saw like just every seems like every running back that faces the Texans has their best game of the year. So I think this is going to be just a very good spot for Jeff Wilson. I think we like to think about good chalk and bad chalk. I just think, Jeff Wilson is good chalk this week. And as a, as a side sprinkle, I'll mention like double stack Herbert. Don't forget to double stack some chargers. Yes. We've talked about a lot of other things since then, but we have not for, I promise you we're not forgetting about uh, the Cardinals and chargers. I love the Jeff Wilson thing. I can almost assure you that I'm going to be playing Jeff Wilson on, on Sunday. I'm going to piggyback. I, 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 over the course of this episode, I, I got really into the that Raiders game. I I think my gut take is a full out game stack of both the Seahawks guys and Devontae and I think bringing Foster Moreau along for the ride as well at tight end. Um both Seahawks wide receivers just accumulate all of the targets in that game, right? Again, it's a it's equivalent to maybe I'm biased based on last week. That being said, Tyler Boyd didn't do shit. So it's not like last week. Last week it was just T. Higgins. But George and Samaj P. Ryan. You didn't play P. Ryan? <laughs> I mean, my best ball teams would love the P. Ryan game, but uh, the old DFS did not. But T. Higgins, it was T. Higgins on one side and P. Ryan. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, it was Fryermuth was very good. I know he didn't score a touchdown, but Fryermuth was very good. And uh, George Pickens should have just absolutely blown the roof off the slate if you'd caught that goddamn That last touchdown. one. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. At the end, but it's the same idea. I don't need 70 points in that game. I need like 50 or 55 and it's going to go to my guys. Mm -hmm. And so Metcalf lock it and people are, the great thing is people are going to play Ken Walker more than they're going to play that passing game. And so I can get access to an awesome game and an awesome spot with a low owned stack. Very easy bringbacks. I mean, Devontae Adams is such a smash bring back mm-hmm. um if you like moreau or not it, do- it doesn't matter maybe maybe you prefer like the optimizer does you prefer hayden hurst that's totally fine but i i just think that that plug jeff wilson in and play that game stack i think is uh my favorite way to approach tournaments anything else before we get out of here i think we're good on my end this is might be our longest episode yet <laughs> we feel really get mad dove deep here. into this slate yeah. You know, we get mad out of here and we don't have to talk about Khalif Raymond ever again. We don't have to talk about Josh Reynolds, whatever. We get to talk about Chris Moore and Bryce Perkins. That's what you get here uh, at the Underworld Stack Fest. For myself, of course, and uh, Matt, we love you. We're just joking. 
Steve, always, always behind the scenes. And uh, myself and Dario. We'll see you guys. In, oh, my God. We'll see you in week 13. Jesus. I can't believe we're already to week 13. But we'll see you guys next.